Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Intrepid English Podcast. I'm Lorraine and today I will be chatting to the newest member of the Intrepid English family, Maddox. He talks about his experience of studying in Japan, his travels and his hobbies and also gives some really good advice for English learners. You may notice a slightly different accent to normal as Maddox is from Pennsylvania in the States. I really hope you enjoy today's conversation. Hi Maddox, thanks for joining us today. Hi Lorraine, it's great to be here. Maybe you could start by introducing yourself to the listeners. Uh, so my name is Maddox, I'm 19 years old and I live in the suburbs of Philadelphia, which is on the east coast of the United States. Some of the listeners might be a little bit surprised to hear that at 19 years old, you're working as a, an English teacher for us. What <laughs> brought you into this industry exactly? Yeah, um, you're right. I'm definitely one of the younger members of our team. Um, but I uh, got started with teaching English uh, as kind of a peer tutor. So I did that at my uh, high school and an international school that I attended in Japan. And in both of those environments, I could kind of see that, you know, my friends and other students were struggling with maybe writing assignments or uh, were nervous about college application essays, that kind of thing. So I kind of started out helping them and uh, proofreading for them, giving them feedback. And at the school in Japan, which was an international school, I also did a bit more work of teaching English uh, as a second language, helping students with their vocabulary, grammar, that kind of thing, um, mostly in the context of academic English and assignments that they were going to you know, turn into a teacher. Okay, great. So you mentioned you went to high school in, um, in Japan. I actually really want to hear a little bit more about that high school because um, I met you through a friend of mine who went to a similar high school in a different country. So this high school is called United World Colleges, and I'm fascinated by it. It sounds like a wonderful place to go to school. Can you tell us a little bit about what makes UWC so unique? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so UWC is basically an association of two-year high schools around the world. There are probably 12 uh, or 13 schools, something like that. There's also new ones joining all the time. Um, but they're, yeah, in the US, Japan, Italy, Swaziland, uh, Norway, you know, a whole range of countries. And what unites these schools is the UWC mission, which is uh, to make education a force to unite peoples and cultures for a more sustainable future. And so, yeah, so if you attend one of those schools, you will do the International Baccalaureate Diploma Program. Probably a lot of our listeners have heard of that before. It's just kind of a standard international uh, high school curriculum. But along with that, they encourage you to be doing extracurriculars and interacting with your peers, which are also from all around the world in Students are constantly running activities and talking to each other about global issues and things that are important to them and sharing their experiences so that uh, in addition to that high school education, you can learn more about the world around you and problem solving and how to use that space and that education to make the world a better place in some way. 
Um, so the school in Japan is one of the newest, ISAK is the name of the school, and it's in Karuizawa, which is a, a sort of resort mountain town. But yeah, it was a really incredible experience. Wonderful. I I love hearing about these kinds of schools. It sounds to me a little bit like um, a school for superheroes. <laughs> I've I've met a few people <laughs> who went to these schools and they generally are super inspiring. Um, so yeah, I wish I'd have gone to a school like that. It sounds great. Um, it's definitely a really great opportunity. And if you know, if any of our listeners are interested, I would definitely encourage them to look into uh, UWC in their in their countries because most uh, countries have a committee that kind of represents their country that you can apply to and then they uh, will place you or you can choose which school you go to if you if you're selected. So yeah, it's a really great opportunity. So we've already heard about your travels to Japan for school. And um, you've also got quite a few different experiences of traveling, haven't you? Yeah, I also had other opportunities to travel through a different program with an acronym (laughs) called CISV. Uh, which has a similar set of values as UWC, but instead of it being a school environment, uh, which is more long-term, they do summer programs. So you're not studying, you're just spending time with people and you know doing all of that kind of social learning about the world and different cultures. And so through that program, I was able to go to Santiago in Spain, and I also went to Ostersund in Sweden, both of those were for relatively short trips of just a few weeks. I'm impressed by your local pronunciation of the place names. <laughs> I try, <laughs> I try. Um, I mentioned in my biography that I've studied a lot of languages and I am somewhat you know, embarrassed to say that none of them come close to my uh, English skills, but I, I really enjoyed learning languages. And, and yeah, when I was in those places, I, I tried to study up a little bit. Great. We all tend to anglicize place names, don't we? We have uh, an English version of every place name. So yeah, especially if you visited, it's really quite a nice gesture to learn how to pronounce the the name of the place in a local accent. Yeah, right. I think so. And languages aren't your only passion. You (laughs) you play the marimba. So that's quite interesting. Do you want to tell the listeners what the marimba is? Yeah. So uh, the marimba is a percussion instrument. Percussion just means basically anything that you hit. Um, so drums, cymbals, triangle, xylophone, marimba, lots of instruments. Um, and yeah, and so if you know what a xylophone is, uh, marimba is very similar. It's a very large instrument with uh, sort of wooden blocks that are arranged sort of like a keyboard and you hit it with sticks and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> I've, I've been playing percussion instruments in general for eight, nine, ten years, something like that since I was little. Yeah, and so I have experience with different drums, different marimbas and xylophones and the triangle <laughs> fun stuff like that yeah i've uh, I've experience of a tambourine um and that's it right well you know that's important that can really uh, hold together an ensemble so respect so not only do you <laughs> teach english but you also learn several languages um so you, do you find that your experience of learning languages informs how you teach English language? That's a really great question. Um, I definitely think that even if I'm not a fluent speaker of any language other than English, uh, even having basic understanding of another language definitely changes how I approach teaching English to students who speak that language and really how I understand English in general, because it gives me 
a new perspective on English. I can compare this grammar structure that I would never question because it's the language that I've spoken my whole life. I'm aware that it doesn't exist in this other language. And so if I'm teaching a concept, I might say, oh, you know, unlike German, we don't really draw attention to dative case in English. So you won't have to change articles for that or something like that, that if you are only aware of one language, and that's the language that you're teaching, you wouldn't really uh, have access to that uh, comparison. And also, I, I feel it makes you quite empathetic to the struggles sometimes that students go through uh, when they're learning a language. Yeah, exactly. I don't know about you, but some things I've really picked up easily in my second language, and other things have just taken a long time and can get a little bit frustrating when you know you've learned it already, but you can't quite remember what the rules are or what the word is. Yeah, it really helps to have a teacher who is understanding of that frustration. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I've definitely been there in a variety of language classes, so I, I won't judge anyone for that, certainly. So you you love teaching English and yes. that comes across very, very well in your lessons. <laughs> um, what's your favorite thing about teaching English? Oh, that's a great question. Um, there's a lot of things that I love about teaching English, but I think uh, my favorite thing is probably just getting to meet, you know, all the students, meet new people. Um, I think, like I said earlier, talking to people who are not native speakers of English, uh, learning more about their cultures, their languages, it gives you a new perspective on your own language and your own culture. And I think that that's such a valuable part of English education, I suppose, is that the the education is really two ways. It's really uh, reciprocal, you know? And so I, I love that as I'm sharing something that I love with my students, which is a language that I'm very familiar with and cultural things that I can share, I'm also learning from them because they say, oh, actually, I've never heard of Halloween before because we don't celebrate that here, but we do celebrate Day of the Dead or we do celebrate All Saints Day. And this is what we do for that. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's a bit cheesy, but I think my favorite thing is, yeah, just meeting new people and... Yeah, and learning more about the world. I don't think that's cheesy. I think that's an excellent uh, <laughs> benefit of being an online English teacher. It's definitely one of the best parts of the job, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what's your impression of Intrepid English so far? Because we're, we're basically all Brits. Now uh, you're, you're the US English teacher who's come on board, uh, <laughs> different time zone as well, but you have slotted right into the team perfectly. So it's been really enjoyable to, to welcome you in and uh, broaden our horizons a little bit more, I think. <laughs> so yeah, what, what's your experience been so far? Yeah, well, I definitely have enjoyed getting to know you and, and all the rest of the team. I think that you guys are really great to work with. I think Intrepid is such a great little community for teachers and for English learners and uh, haven't noticed friction, you could say, with being the only American. <laughs> great. You've got a few exciting things in the pipeline. Would you like to tell the listeners that you're working on at the moment? Yeah, uh, thanks for asking that. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of things that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. So the first thing is a blog post about phrasal verbs and specifically the differences between American and British phrasal verbs. It's not like I'm a total stranger to some British expressions. But I, I was surprised by a couple of things. The, the one that I think I was the most surprised by was, uh, chase up in, in British English, which is, uh, more like track down or scare up. 
in American English. Yeah, so that was very interesting for me. All of these phrasal verbs just basically mean to go look for something or look for someone. So, you know, in the US, you would say, oh, I think, uh, I think my friend has the answer to that question. Let me go track him down. You know, let me go look for him. It implies it's a bit, uh, takes a bit of effort, you know, maybe they're on another floor or something. Uh, and I suppose in British English, you would say, let me chase him up for you, which, yeah, just saying it sounds, sounds very strange to me because I think of chasing as like running very intensely. So I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's necessary, but the, the American English one is, uh, interesting because it's actually connected to hunting, which I also hadn't really thought about, but tracking something down or scaring something up is related to, you know, you would be out trying to shoot birds, pheasants, deer, I don't know. And so the dog would track, you know, whatever animal you were looking for, or it could scare up some birds by following the scent and running into the bush. So then all the birds would fly away and you could kill them all, which is not the best image. (laughs) When you're just trying to, you know, get some help from somebody. Yeah, some have very dark uh, beginnings. It's very fascinating to to read about the etymology, but sometimes it's actually nice not to know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it definitely changes the meaning a little bit. Great, I'm looking forward to that blog. Anything else you're working on? Yeah, I'm also doing something with Tom, and it's a little bit similar to my blog post, but rather than phrasal verbs in particular... It's just talking about differences between American and British English in general. So, you know, it could be adjectives, could be nouns, other idiomatic expressions. Um, yeah, so we're going to make a YouTube video for that to actually quiz each other on. And then we're going to call each other and, yeah, have a sort of battle of who, who can figure out what they, what they mean, uh, which I think will be fun for the students because it'll show that we also are learning all the time. <laughs> we also don't know every little thing that there is to know about English. And I think, I, th- I think I'm gonna find some, some pretty interesting, some pretty difficult American phrases. So I'm looking forward to what Tom comes up with. Excellent. I can't wait for that. That sounds like so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that. So, And I told him it could so easily be a series. Like we could totally do a million of those. I always like to ask the uh, new teachers in their Meet the Teacher podcast if they have any advice for English students. Is there anything in particular you've learned that you'd like to pass on to the learners? Yeah, um, I think that the most important thing when learning a language is actually not necessarily studying every night or doing 100 flashcards. Because in my experience, I think that what is the most important is uh, building your confidence and actually, you know, using the language that you're learning. And of course, this, you know, can be difficult if you're learning a language that's not really spoken around you. Um, But in my experience, for example, in Japan, trying to learn Japanese being in Japan, there were a lot of moments where I'd be in the grocery store or on the bus or trying to order something at a restaurant. And I would think, I think I know how to say this, not a hundred percent sure, you know, maybe I should just nod or wave or something to get my point across. And instead I would say, no, I'm going to push for using this phrase or using this word that I, I'm pretty sure I know, but I'm not totally sure of. 
And, you know, sometimes I made a fool of myself. Sometimes it was not the correct thing to say. Uh, <laughs> but that led to conversations and, and moments of understanding like, oh, I see what you were trying to say, but actually we would say this. Um, and that totally deepened my knowledge of Japanese and, and of the culture associated with the Japanese language uh, so much further than any, you know, textbook exercise would because that is organic and that's based on the real living community of, of that language. So I think obviously having a consistent and fun uh, study plan for yourself and taking notes and doing lessons and all these things is very important. But I think if I could encourage our students to do anything, I would say don't be afraid to push yourself and to seek out those situations where you can use your language skills out in the world, which can also work in a lesson with us, right? Because we're obviously all English speakers. So if you're not in a place where you can go to a restaurant and try to whip out some vocabulary, then just in your in your lessons, just try to be a little a little outgoing with the, the types of language that you that you use in English. Yeah, we always develop more when we're just outside of our comfort zone, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful advice. Thank you so much for joining us today, Maddox. It's been an absolute pleasure to to hear your point of view about teaching English and learning languages and playing the marimba and other such things. Thank you. Thank you for having me. To find out more about Maddox, you can read his Meet the Teachers blog or visit his Intrepid English Teacher profile page. Maddox is teaching the pre-intermediate group classes and, as you've heard, loves to meet new people. He'd be delighted if you reach out and add him as a friend on the Intrepid English website. Keep your eye out for more interesting blogs and British versus American English battles with Tom on YouTube. From everyone here at Intrepid English, have a wonderful day. Speak to you soon.